Good morning. We're glad to see you today. We want to welcome those who are worshiping with us online as well. We're glad to have all of you here today worshiping with us on this special Sunday morning. Now, Jesus came in the form of a little bitty baby. Nobody would be threatened by a little baby, would they? And he came to earth to be a man who was human and was God. And when he came, he came so that he might help us because we needed to be forgiven. And so what he did was he came in the form of a man and later he would go to the cross and he would die on the cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven. The book of Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, how many of you have had a father? Anybody in here have a dad? Okay, look at the person next to you. <laughs> and if, if they didn't raise their hand, then explain to them that everybody has a father. He may not be living right now. You may not even know him, but everybody has a dad, okay? Because if it's a little cloudy, it's a little gloomy, some of you may still be asleep. So look at the person next to you and say, you've had a dad, okay? Tell them that right now. Now, maybe the memories and the images of your dad were fantastic. I, my dad died not too long ago, and I still have memories of him, and, and I can have a conversation with him. I know that sounds a little funny, but, you know, I can because I know what he'll say. We used to call each other during football season on Saturday and talk about the games and different things, and I, I know pretty much what kind of how the conversation would go, what kind of things he would ask and what kind of things I would say and what I would ask and so forth. And I was fortunate because I had a good dad. And that's the way it is. And maybe your memories of your dad are like that. Maybe your dad's still living. Maybe you have great memories of him uh, from the past, but also you're making new memories now. And I can just tell you, being a dad, it's not always easy to be a dad. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, yeah, yeah, that's tough. Listen, when, when our younger daughter, Catherine, was born, all my hair and my beard were black. And there was a lot more of it in the right places back then, okay? And then she came along, and that kind of aged me a little bit. So we dads, we're far from perfect, right? We make mistakes. But if you've got a dad that's a good dad, then be thankful for that. But the end reality is that not everybody has a good dad. Not everybody has those wonderful memories from the past when they were growing up and they had a close relationship with their dad. As a father, I, it kind of scared me as my kids were growing up because I thought to myself, if they look at me and see God, what does that do to their relationship with God? Because I knew that I wasn't perfect. And so what happens is a lot of times in life that children will look at God through the lens of their earthly father. 
So if you look at God through the lens of your earthly father, if your earthly father was not a good dad, then that can have a negative connotation when you think about God. Now, maybe you had a father and you looked at him that way and he was never satisfied. You could never please him. He never said, I love you or I'm proud of you. As a child growing up, he didn't know how to show you acceptance and show you affirmation. He was just not there for you emotionally. Sadly, there are a lot of people who perform trying to please their dad. It's just all a performance thing. And so if that's the kind of relationship you have, you think you have to do that with God. I know people who's, who are grown up, they're adults, they're still trying to please their father. Some of them, their father has been dead for years, but they're still trying to win his affirmation. Maybe growing up you acted out in rebellion just to get negative attention because that was better than no attention at all. And that was something you brought into your perspective of your relationship with Christ. So maybe today you don't believe that God can truly be satisfied with you, that he can really love you. If you look at God through the lens of your earthly father, you could be a little confused, maybe even messed up and concerned. Second, maybe he was a father who was always angry. You were always walking on eggshells with him. It was like whispering so that you didn't wake your dad up when he was asleep. You didn't know if he was going to fly off the handle and get angry over something. Maybe your dad said things to you like, you're never going to amount to anything. You'll never accomplish anything. You're worthless. Or even worse, you were a mistake. A buddy of mine said that when he was growing up, one day his daddy told him that he would never amount to anything. And he said it in a much stronger way than that. And it, he was so affected by it that my friend, even though he was a child, he left home and he moved in with his grandmother. And he lived with his grandmother for several years because he didn't want to be around his dad and that negative experience. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've experienced painful words of anger from your earthly father. Or maybe even you were a part of abuse. I heard about a woman, this is a terrible, tragic story. When she was a little girl, her father would abuse her. And then while he was doing that, he would quote Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Can you imagine going through that? And what would your perspective of God be if your own father did that to you? How could you even understand who God was? When you look at your heavenly father through the lens of your father, it can be a bad experience. And so maybe your father's not ever there for you. He's never satisfied or he's always angry. The third thing is a father who is seldom there. Physically, maybe as a child, you grew up the victim of divorce. Your parents divorced. One day your dad was there. The next day he was gone. You didn't have him anymore. You didn't have that relationship. Maybe he was ripped out of the family's life, and you grew up without your dad. You missed your first soccer goal that you made, and he wasn't there to sit with you on the edge of the bed sometimes and put his arm around you when you were crying and console you and make you feel better. Maybe your dad was an alcoholic, and when he wasn't drinking, he was fine, and he worked and provided for you. But when he was drinking, he was really, really bad, and, and then you couldn't even be around him. 
A son tells a true story of witnessing to his alcoholic father. And he talked to him about the love of God and how God loves everyone. So his father said, let me tell you a story about when I was growing up. So this father is talking to his son, but he's talking about the experiences he had as a child. He said, when I was a little boy one day, I watched my father commit suicide. He said, I wasn't very old. And he said, that stayed with me all my life. And then he said, later on, when my younger sister was 16 years old, she was tragically killed in a car accident. And he said, all of that just ripped us open again after losing my dad and now my sister. And then one day he said that he came home from school and his mom told him that his grandmother was dead and that her boyfriend had killed her and then he had killed himself. And then he looked at his son and he said, if God is love, where is he when those things happen? Where is God during those times? Maybe your journey hadn't been that extreme. But just for a second, I want us to do something a little bit different. Instead of looking at God through the lens of our earthly father, one of the healthiest things any of us can do is look at God through the lens of Scripture. Because if we look at God through the lens of Scripture, we'll have a totally different perspective of who God is. We're going to see Him in all His truth and all His glory. First, our everlasting Father is compassionate. God the Father is very compassionate. The psalmist says the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Did you know that? He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Hey, do y'all remember back in the 80s when the pig craze happened? You remember when people would pay thousands of dollars to buy exotic pigs from Vietnam? They said that the pigs were quite smart and they would only grow to be about 40 pounds. They were half right. <laughs> the pigs were smart, but they grew to be about 150 pounds and they could become very aggressive. Now, what do you do with an unwanted pig? Pig roasts don't work. Their meat is tough and stringy and marbled with fat, so you don't want that. Fortunately, Dale Riffle came to the rescue. Somebody had given him one of those pigs, and he fell in love with it. He named his pig Rufus, and they said that those pigs would learn to use a litter box, and they developed, he said his pig developed a, a craving for carpet and wallpaper <laughs> and drywall. So he sold his suburban home and he bought a farm in West Virginia where he could take his pig and raise it. And then he started taking in other unwanted pigs for people who, hey, they said, I don't believe I want this pig. And literally overnight he was in hog heaven. He had 180 residents on the farm, pigs, that, and, and he wrote in, a, in an article according to U.S. News and World Report, he said his pigs sleep on pine shavings, 
They wallow in mud puddles. They soak in plastic swimming pools with water. And they listen to classical music. You'd expect that from your pig, wouldn't you? That they'd listen to classical music. Now, one of the things they do is they wait in line to get one of Dale's belly rubs. He, he does that for them, and they just wait their turn. And he does that for them on a regular basis. And they never have to worry about becoming bacon or pork chops. They're in a great situation. There's actually a waiting list for unwanted pigs, those who are trying to get their hoof in the door of Riffle's farm. Dale Riffle told a reporter, I think we're all <laughs> put on earth for a reason, and I guess pigs are my lot in life. Now, what in the world would make anybody fall so totally in love with pigs? Well, let me tell you something even more amazing. There's an infinitely perfect, holy, majestic, awesome God who is passionately in love with insignificant, sinful, sometimes openly rebellious, frequently indifferent people. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine somebody loving people like that? God loves people like you and me. In fact, God loves us so much that he says, I want to adopt you into my family, and I want you to call me Father. Even Dale Riffle doesn't do that for his pigs. In 1992, in the Olympics in Barcelona, Spain, the world watched a parable of a father's love played out on international television. Great Britain's Derek Redmond could see the gold medal. It wasn't far ahead of him if he just continued in the race. It was a lifelong dream, and he was so excited. But then as he entered the stretch, Redmond fell in ripping in pain to the ground. He had torn his hamstring. He was able to get back up, but of course others finished the race ahead of him. But he began to hop toward the finish line. About that time, his father came out of the stands and, and he propped his son up and he put his arm around him and held him and he said, come on, son, let's finish the race together. And that's what they did. As the crowd cheered and as they wept, they watched a father and a wounded son struggle to cross the finish line. Now, if that describes you, let the words of Jesus speak to you in the way that your Father helps you each day. In Matthew, it says, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to perform for God and just live your life to glorify Him, believing that God really does accept you, that He really can love you, that no matter how good or bad we are, because we're all human, God loves us. Now, that's not an excuse for us to just go out and do whatever we want to, but our relationship with God is based on grace. It's a grace that forgives us. And so when Jesus forgives us, when he looks at us, he sees us through his righteousness because of what he did for us. When we look at our heavenly father, 
through the lens of Scripture, we're going to see a God who's compassionate. And then second, our everlasting Father cares. He really cares about the details of our lives. I heard about a ship that wrecked, and the only survivor was on this small, uninhabited island, and he was exhausted, and he cried out to God to save him. And every day he would scan the horizon, and he would look for somebody coming to rescue him. Finally, he built a hut there with what he could find, and he had a few articles he had collected that he put inside of them. And then a few days later, when he was coming home from hunting, he noticed that his hut had caught fire. And it was burning up before his eyes, and the smoke billowed off into the sky. And he thought to himself, what more can happen to me? I've had enough. I can't believe this. But early the next day, a ship appeared and rescued him. He said, let me ask you a question. How did you find me? They said, we saw your smoke signal, and that's how we came. Now, maybe the difficulty that you're going through right now is the smoke signal that will lead to a great blessing someday in the future. If only we could get hold of the life-changing fact that there are no little things to God. He cares about the details, and there's nothing too big for God. He can accomplish anything. He has some wonderful lessons to teach us, and if we'll learn those lessons, it will be to our benefit, and we'll be blessed by it. In Jeremiah, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope, and a future. I want you to know that your Heavenly Father is compassionate, that He cares, and that He has plans for you to give you a future and a hope, to prosper you. He's not angry. He loves you. And finally, our everlasting Father is always there. He's always there. He's always present with us. You know, I read about some scientists and botanists who were studying flowers in the Alps. And while they were doing that, they were looking for any new species of flowers. One day, through their binoculars, they noticed a flower they had never seen before. But it was down in a ravine by a steep cliff on both sides. And it was growing down there, but they couldn't get to it. They decided that what they would have to do is lower somebody down with a rope who could get the flower, bring it back to them so that they could study it. They noticed that there was a young boy standing there watching. And they came to him and they said, we'll pay you a lot of money if we can harness you in a rope, lower you down to get that flower. You bring it back up to us and you'll make a fortune. The little boy looked down that steep, dizzy ravine. He looked back up at them. He said, I'll be right back. He left. He came back and there was a gray-haired man behind him when he came. He said, I will go down and get your flower if this man holds the rope. He's my dad. You see, God wants us to have that kind of faith in him. He's a heavenly father we can trust and we can depend on him. If our father holds the rope, we don't have to fear. He holds my hand, this wonderful Savior, and he is mine. So why should I fear when I know he's near and I know his hand holds mine.
fear fades when we begin to trust our Father. Have you ever noticed that people are bolder when they have a friend to help them? If they've got to do something that's challenging, if they've got a friend with them, they might try it. If you've got a child and you take them to the carnival, they might ride that ride they're afraid of if a parent goes with them. Maybe an employee is willing to do something to follow the policy if he knows he's backed by his employer. And that's the way it is with God. God wants to use us to fulfill tasks for him, and he goes with us. The Bible says that Joshua, God told him, I will go with you, and together they could do it. Keith Hartzell of Wheaton, Illinois, was driving in with his friend in California, and he looked down, and you know the armrest between the two seats in the front of the car? He looked down at his friend's phone, and it was there with an unusual password. It said, pro-nobis, pro-nobis. He didn't know what that meant or why anybody would have such an unusual password. So he asked his friend what it was, and he said, well, it's Latin, and it means for us. And then his friend got kind of choked up telling him about it, and he thought, what in the world would cause somebody to get emotional over this Latin word. He explained to him that, that through personal pain in his life, some healing came when he began to realize that God was pro-nobis, that he was for us. And that Latin phrase made a difference to, him, difference to him. He said that when he was younger, his parents got a divorce, and, and he thought that God didn't care because he let that happen. And he thought that God wasn't there anymore. But then over time, as he began to learn from Christian friends and he began to study the Scripture and look at God through the Scripture, he began to realize that God really does care and that he is for us. And then he decided that if God is for us, that he could begin to be for other people and help them. It doesn't matter if you don't do everything just right. God will still be there. Hebrews says, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And that's God speaking. Now, the alcoholic father I was talking about earlier in the sermon eventually got to a place where he got some relief from all of his pain. And he began to look at his heavenly father through the scripture. And that was really the, the turning point for him. When he did that, he saw a heavenly father who was full of compassion who cared for him, who had a plan for his life to prosper him and give him a future and a hope. And even in the midst of his painful past, he was able eventually to surrender his life to Christ. And God began to restore his life. And he stopped drinking. And he began to enjoy his retirement. And he began to show his wife how much he loved her. And God just transformed his life because he began to see who he really was because he saw who God really was. I was talking to our younger daughter, Catherine, this week. She told me something interesting. She said that she has a friend, a friend of her, just a guy friend, and he was talking to her. And he was talking about his future and his life, and he had some doubts about things. And she said, let me tell you what you're thinking. She knew him well, and they were friends. She said, you're thinking that because your parents got a divorce, that you'll never get married and you'll never be happy. But she said, I want to tell you something in love. She said, 
You've got to learn to love yourself before you can ever love anybody else. Before you can ever get into a serious relationship, you've got to put the past behind you and begin to see yourself through God's perspective. And when you do that, then you'll get some healing and some peace, and it'll make a difference in your relationships. Wow, I didn't know Catherine knew that. I was impressed. Apparently, she's growing up a little bit. She's 23 now, and, and I saw some evidence of that. Because our Heavenly Father has compassion, and because He cares, and because He has plans for us to give a future and a hope to prosper us. And that's good news. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank You that You are a God who understands us, who loves us, who has compassion for us, who cares about us. And You've got plans for us, Lord. And I pray that your perfect will would be accomplished in all of our lives, that we would be the people that you have called us to be, that you would work in our lives, molding us and making us into that which you want us to ultimately become. Lord, you love us just the way we are, but you love us too much to leave us that way. And I'm so thankful that you love us like that. Lord, I pray that we might listen to you, that we might pray and seek your will, that we might accomplish your purposes. Lord, any issue that we have, instead of saying, now, Lord, I really want this to happen, now you make it happen. I pray we'll say, Lord, if it be your will, I would like for this to happen. But if you've got something better in store, Lord, then I want that to happen. And we'll just surrender our will to yours and I know that you have perfect will and you have perfect timing. And I just pray that we would take advantage of that and listen and wait on you. And your perfect will at your perfect time will become a reality. I pray in your son's name. Amen.